Yo, yo, this is Justin Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Hello, beautiful human. Thanks for clicking on our conversation with Max. Color Vision is his album out now. We're going to dissect it, talk about AJR, Rags, that, that's his early movie with Kiki Palmer, his new baby, and a ton more. It, it's a great conversation with just an incredible human being who's been a friend of mine for quite some time. And yeah, I, I love him. And I'm, I'm happy to be hanging out with you too. Okay, Max is here. Booz, I'm so happy to be with you. I've been dreaming of this moment of being back with you two cuties for so long. Well, I want to keep moving here because there's so much to cover and first marriage and baby. And I I wonder what else, in addition to a Zoom account, have you just taken of Emily's? Because everything, everything. I'd say, I'd say, I mean, I feel like her, her old, her clothes that she, you know, is not using at the moment because she's a, she's a different size for a little bit. So many different things. I feel like I use of hers. And she's she's accepted it. She's just she's just like, oh yeah, that's mine. I guess it's not mine anymore. And I'm like, you have any of my stuff, you know? You know, take my comfy sweatpants, whatever. You we, obviously we have a we have an album. We have one collection of children, one family of songs mm-hmm. on one side, and then on the other side is like a real family that's in progress. And yeah. are you just obsessed with your? With Emily's stomach, like, do you just like look at it, rub it, touch uh, it? Obsessed, it? obsessed. I put my face. To, usually, I do this thing where I just I kiss her stomach a few times, and and baby girl can she she knows what's up now. So she she gives a little <laughs> kick to my cheek when I put my face up to her her stomach, and I love it. It's it's so spooky, which is why her nickname is Spooky right now. We call her Spooky in the room. It's really fun, and uh, yeah, I love it. There's 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 few feelings like your unborn child giving you a little kick from the womb to your face. It's pretty amazing. Is there like a phase going on or like a process going on where you're accepting that your life is about to change forever or is it already changed? I feel like honestly, this whole, this whole new world has helped that, that, that just acceptance of things will probably never be the same and that's okay. They'll be hopefully better in certain ways. And I feel like if we didn't have the time in the world we're in, I probably wouldn't have such a deep excitement and acceptance to be around more for my baby girl. So I'm just trying to see it in that light. Interesting perspective because, you know, you could be touring, you could be doing any Mm -hmm. any sort of stuff right now instead of just being around. Yeah. It's, it's kind of amazing in a weird way. You know, I missed shows so much more than, more than anything, you know, we've been rehearsing these, these live experiences for the album. And I almost cried the first time I got up with the band and started playing the first song from the record again. It was, it was, it took over me, but it's also been pretty special that, you know, we can create cool experiences from our, from different locations near our house rather than having to, you know, fly across the world. And hopefully I get to spend a little more time with her because of that, you know? I don't want to cut Dan off. I didn't know if he had something to say. I don't want Dan to feel like I'm not giving. Dan loves Dan. you. Like Dan, I love Dan. Dan doesn't. I love Max so much. That's my boy. Dan goes to nobody's concerts. I know. It's My Chemical Romance, Harry Styles, and Max Schneider. Like it's taste, like, baby. It's the three most important people in my life. It's my boy. I appreciate you always. So I never- and not only that, after the concert, I'll text him and tell him how it was. And I think the last one I went to was probably the best one. Wow. Thank you, man. That was such a, the Troubadour one, right? I think that's yeah, the that was it. That was, that was so special doing that intimate show. Wow. It's, it's my, that's Dan's my, I'm his biggest fan. So it makes sense. <laughs> Goes both ways. 
Let's go, baby. <laughs> I didn't want to step on you, but I can. I'm so excited to dive into this album. But yeah. I want to connect it to life. So, and I want to understand timeline because Color Vision yeah. has been. I want a definition today of what Color Vision is, but it's not new to your existence. It's been around in some fashion. So totally, it makes, it makes sense that it's now a body of work. Yeah, it's interesting because I think timing is is everything and. And I'd say I've had some of these songs for the album for a few years. Some have been as old as four years, like the Where Am I At song. But then uh, most of the record really came, and the idea and the theme of it came right after I came out of the vocal surgery and, and got my voice back. And I think that's when you know I had a new perspective on life and I had a new perspective on music and how appreciative I was to sing every show or sing every day. It, it was it was it was so. It was so different than it ever was before. And, I, and that really is the definition of color vision to me. So it's been maybe really a year and a half in the making theme wise in the full world of this body of work and its, its, its title of color vision. What do you see and learn from losing your voice and just having to listen? I feel like any trauma for anyone, you just, it just makes you gasp in, in real time that you feel like, wow, it could have all been gone right away. You know, anything that happens to you where you're running, you're moving, you're moving, and then you realize life will hit you like a ton of bricks and you just have to stop and take in each moment. And for me, I, I, was, I was doing eight shows in a row. I was doing so many shows and just thinking I'm invincible and I'm going to get to my goals. I'm going to play arenas, whatever else, and nothing can stop me. And then it, it just makes you realize you really have to appreciate every, every step every climb on that ladder is is almost more important than getting to wherever you're going and i definitely enjoy the process so much more the process is 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 most of the magic you know and and i think that's what i i found getting my voice back that every show meant so much more every song every time i stepped in the studio it really did feel like wow i'm just i just love singing and it always has to come from that place and before that you're using it so frequently and anything you use frequently you tend to eventually take for granted right and mm -hmm. which is why you eventually overwork it and dude no you really in a day i'd see you do many performances like you would you grind it you said no to not a ton of stuff like and i respect that with every fiber of my being but it doesn't not catch up with you and when you're when you do what you do every time when you give a hundred percent it's bound to yeah, happen. It's price. Exactly. Bound to happen. And you just have to take care of yourself. Yeah. But it changes your life. But now, what is it? Like, when you sing There's a God and you get super high up there, I mean, that is that a challenging song to sing? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I feel like every time I'm getting back into the mode of singing the full set or, you know, even now I haven't performed for six months and I've been rehearsing the last few weeks and it really does feel like I'm training for a marathon again because I want to make sure that I can sing those songs with every every bit of passion and strength that I did on the recording. And by doing that, it's training mode. You know, every day I'm 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 dancing with it, but also warming up first thing in the morning. And and it really there's so much that goes into it to make sure that I can I can make it seem like it's it's easy. I feel like anybody who's who's doing what they do. They want the world to, to not think, oh, that seems like it's so hard. You want it to seem like it's easy, but it takes a lot of effort to make it feel like that. When you cut that song in the studio, in the booth, where'd you, like, where'd you record this album? Was it scattered? Was it in one place? 
Yeah, a lot of it. I have my own studio setup, which has been great for this whole record. And I loved being able to bring producers into that setup and have that cozy comfort and be able to create my own world. And then my boys, Ahmad and Roger, it was all over to, to you know, long story short. But a lot of the, the most special records came from that intimacy of being in, in a few spaces that I got to really get comfortable in. And uh, they had, you know, cozy rugs and, and I have you know, the greenery all over and it just feels like a little jungle. And that, that's where I feel like I thrive. When you enter a studio, do you have to finish a song? No, I don't. I feel like, you know, especially for me, I'd rather write half of an amazing song in a few days than write three songs that really don't mean anything. I'm the type where if you get in there and it doesn't feel like you're hitting that little spark of magic, then, then just keep digging. You can keep fishing for it because it's not worth fleshing out an idea that nobody's really excited about. And, and I feel like I used to be more okay with just, yeah, fleshing out that song that was not that great. But now I'm, I'm, I'm happy, even if it's the first time writing with someone to say, that's not it yet. And even if it, it, it can be something that I'm, I'm scared that maybe they'll get frustrated, we just met, you know, you wanna be working with people that wanna be getting their greatest stuff out. So you just keep pushing for it. I am pausing our conversation to tell you about my favorite deodorant, Native. Uh, For years, I stressed about the proper deodorant. One, to control my sweat glands, and two, to make sure that I smelled right. And then Native came along and changed the way I live. Seriously, I I believe in understanding and knowing what you choose to put on your body. And in this case, I know exactly what I'm lathering my pits with. Native is made with stuff you understand. Coconut oil, tapioca starch, shea butter. Also, they have scents that just connected to me and would definitely connect with you. They have so many of them. Coconut and vanilla, that's my favorite. Lavender and rose, so good. Cucumber and mint, very tasty. If you're looking for deodorant, Native really could be for you. They also have a bunch of like uh, body soaps and stuff too. Native, it's worth checking out seriously nativedeo.com slash zach go there if you want 20 percent off your first order and you can buy it risk-free if you don't like it send it back you got 30 days but you will probably like it because there's 14,000 five-star reviews so yeah native deodorant smell good nativedeo.com slash zach zach sang show what part of the song creation process are you the most anal about it really comes down to the theme and 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 the story behind it and making sure that it all connects and to me if if that if there isn't a nugget of of really just if there isn't a nugget of emotion that is that it comes from deep down even if it isn't apparent on the surface then i feel like no one will ever subconsciously connect with it you know i feel like it has to come from some story that that is either painful to talk about is is a little capsule of love to talk about or or something that's a little scary it's the that's the david bowie quote of of getting a little farther into the water and when you right when you get there and and you're you're afraid that's when you're doing something great you know i'm i'm butchering the quote but it's it's that that idea of you just want to you want to do that and that's something that when i'm listening to the album i'm i've listened to it a few times now it is so apparent that this is truly connected to your existence in some way shape or form and i say that because i know you yeah but also like the stories are vivid and simple and catchy and just really 
well wrapped and each one individually wrapped differently than the last it's really no song sounds alike but they all sound like they come from you is there one producer are you working with a collection i obviously know the ajr song without knowing that they have credit on it of course uh, it is the baby no money song correct yeah yeah, yeah. that's the yeah. one of course. Yeah, yeah. of course you know you know yeah. is like jack uh, layered in there somewhere he is he is yeah, yeah. He sings it with me too. <laughs> wow i just gotta stop the interview to tell you that i love this and just you saying that means so much and when i think about making an album now i think about talking about it with you two that's how i think about it how it's gonna feel when you listen to it and having that standard of wanting you to say what you just said so i just want to take that moment to really appreciate you guys listening to it and feeling that way and yes it's so important to me that i fight for it in every instance i think as a solo artist you know i sometimes i talk to the ajr boys because i envy that they have each other and it's like three of me is getting to really go back and forth and talk and you're all you're in it for the dreams and the vision around it but also the music and that's why i love working with them so much too because i feel like we're extended family but to me when i do work with different producers it's so important for me to say to them this has to fit in the arc of the story i i don't want it to sound completely out there it can it can be a different sonic sound but i don't want it to not make sense within this world of songs and within this arc of the story and so you know i really i worked with so many different people on the record there's one song called circles that i did just with this amazing writer scott harris and it was just us and figuring out how to fit that in it was important when we did a few songs to make sure whatever the song was that it fit in the whole world and so that was just really on me to make sure i fought for that because honestly you know how it is sometimes the record label and other people aren't thinking that they're just looking for the big single and i think it's it's down to the artist and the, and the internal team to make sure that your full story lives on in this body of work forever that it feels timeless and not just about the singles how do you like what is your pitch to a producer that you enter the room to work with like what do you how do you bring them into the world without taking up you know 75 percent of the day and you know them just hearing all the music totally it's such a good question i feel like i get in with new people and that and that's really what it comes down to them getting it and sometimes people don't some songs didn't make the record great producers huge names and they just the songs were cool but they just didn't mean anything and i i can't even like there's names i won't even say that I work with some of the biggest producers in the world for songs of this album and none of them made sense. And I'd rather have a song that makes sense with maybe a name that you've never heard of than, than just go for that name because it's a big name. And I think that's why the songs that made the album made the album because the people I worked with heard the stuff that had come out, came out and, and I played them a few other things and they just said, oh, I wanna dive into this world. Rather than I want you to just take a song from my world they said, I see what you're going for. Let's dig into this color vision world, which was really cool. And by the way, like that's a commitment, right? So do you work with the same producer on more than one song at all? Because by the way, the one thing totally. I have access to is the credits. And my lyrics, I've been writing notes down. Yeah. Uh, so it, how like one producer did two songs, three songs? Yeah. So um, my friends, Ahmad and Roger, uh, they did 80% of the album. And we did everything from Love Me Less to Color Vision to There's a God to SOS, New Life. There's a bunch of songs that I did with them. And then, you know, we, 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 we did so many other songs, but then, you know, these other ones just creeped in and made, a, made so much sense. The one with AJR just fit in the world perfectly. Um, my boy Ryan, who's the other half of Party Peoples, 
produce acid dreams. So that just fit in. It just, I think it became a piece of people who maybe knew those other producers too. A lot of it was those people really did know each other, know each other's sounds and respect it. So they went back and forth. Even Ahmad <laughs> and Ryan went back and forth on acid dreams talking about it. So Ahmad Royal really was, was, you know, the uncredited executive producer on the record with me. He was so a part of every piece of it. What do you learn from having a couple, you know, you know, hits under your belt going into this? And really, when did this, uh, in the back half of that question is like, when did this album actually start? Yeah, I think, you know, we're all, I think what I learned from having a few songs that have done well is that you never know where it's going to come from, but it always comes from a very present and real story that comes underneath. That's Those are the ones that have meant the most for my career. And every time I hear some big record exec being like, oh, this song's a smash, you got to put this out, it never works. And I and I just finally realized, what am I doing listening to that? It just, it's been proven over and over again that that it has to be such a potent story that somebody doesn't even know, but subconsciously they they connect with because maybe they feel a similar way or they just know that it's coming from such a raw place. And yeah, that's, that's, that's the only through line that I've gotten to gather through all of this. But I'd say, you know, you always have a couple of those songs in the back burner that you, you say to yourself, I'm going to put this out eventually. Maybe it's next year in four years. Where Am I At was one of those songs that I've had for four years that I just knew had to come out in a special time and finally came out with this record. But gosh, I mean, I think like 80% of the album has been done in the last year and a half, truly. So a couple of those pieces always knew they'd be a part of this. And the rest sort of came all at once. And I had never had a deadline before and I gave myself one. And it within those two months, I did 50% of the record. So before the deadline, did you have like a loose deadline of like, you knew like an intuition that you knew yeah. you finished? Yeah, you know, I feel like I'm the type that, that's why this album took four years and I'm not gonna let that happen again, but it's it's because I just toured so much and I just kept saying, oh, I'll, I'll finish the songs when I get back and I gotta make it happen, but singles are coming out, it's cool, music's coming out. And now I realize I took the time, I said to my, my guys, I'm not touring for two months, I just wanna finish this record and I just wanna put it out. And in that time, because I got to just focus in, so many little magical nuggets came about because it was just so focused in on creating those last pieces and connecting all the, the dots and, and finishing the puzzle. And that was so monumental to the, to the process to take that time. I, I got to give you credit. Like none of the hits that you've had sound the same and you never, fa you never followed a sonic path truthfully. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I think at first I felt weird about that. I kept thinking, Oh, I got to put out another lights down low. Everybody keeps saying it just has to be that. But then, when Love Me Less happened, I was just so excited about it. I loved I loved the sonic sound I found with Amon Roger for that song. It just felt new and different. And and I think that I'm so grateful that people connected with that one after because it, it felt nice to just say, you know what? As long as I'm getting that visceral excitement that I'm down to commit everything I have to that song, hopefully it will be something that, you know, that means something to other people. And and uh, and and the through line is just always the story behind it. And I'm okay with that as an artist. Do you have the ability to listen to this album and be like, okay, this could do something? Yeah, I'm such I'm such a harsh critic of it, but I know which songs always feel just, you know, they feel timeless to me that I'm excited hearing them every time, no matter how long it's been. And I try to remind myself of that because sometimes people make me feel like certain songs will be 
huge, you know? They're like, oh, this is gonna be your biggest song ever. And in my gut, I'm just, I'm just thinking, nah, I don't think this one is, but maybe you're right. And you know, the more, more time goes by, the more I realize the ones that you know in your gut are gonna mean something are usually the ones that mean something. So I have a pretty good range and, and, and guess on what it always will be. Do you, I mean, obviously you, you feel like you've guessed right in the past. Yeah, well, I, I think, yeah, with Love Me Less, I mean, you know, I hope the one with AJ working for the weekend, it's just always felt like such a, such a special one. I, the second we did that song together, it came from such a, it came from such a, a connection of, of just the grind. I feel like we've been in it together for so long and, and getting to do a song about that, that just felt so unique, getting to, you know, just talk about the work it takes to get to the place you go and maybe not going by the plan and and finding the other route that that is uh the, the path that's not taken and that's scary but worth it when it kind of works in a way you didn't expect and that's a song that i and i it's been amazing to see the fans very early on be so excited about it so that's one that's really cool and then of course the one with sugar has just been in my back pocket for so long and it's been something that i, I feel excited for people to hear how does that relationship begin between the two of you it's so it's so wild because I've talked about it so many times and you know, Army know the story so well now, but oh. it really was so perfectly unplanned. And I love that. Wait, is it literally you at the Lakers game or did you go after that? Like, did you set that up? I'll, I'll give you the whole spiel, baby. It was, it was great. I'm in Korea. I hung out at Big Hit because I reached out to them saying I'm coming to Korea. And, uh, and I was going to hang out with both Suga and Jungkook. Jungkook got sick that day. So it was just me and Suga and, you know, the universe has a plan because I think because it was just me and Suga and a translator and his team, uh, we really just got to bond. We just sat down and, and I just expected to take a picture and maybe say thanks for giving love to the music. But no, nah, we, we sat there and we just, it was natural. You know, I, I had this, he had his, his A&R who was translating for us and it felt seamless. Every time I'd say something, she would translate, he'd say something back and it just felt like we were having a conversation in real time. And somehow we got into basketball and that, you know, sugar means shooting guard and I'm a basketball obsessed fan. And we just bonded over that. And I said, well, I'm going to take you to your first game. I can't believe you've never been to a game. You're, you're a superstar from BTS. You've never been to a basketball game. It's your favorite thing in the world. And he's like, yeah, I would love that. Take me to a game. So yeah, LA, a couple of weeks later, we make the plan. He brings, he's like, I'm going to bring you to my favorite Korean barbecue spot and uh, you take me to the game. And I said, I love it. I'm in. Let's do it. So we do that. We go to the game. It's me, the translator, A&R, has been amazing. His other teammate, one of my friends. And, uh, and I didn't know that it would be the Kobe Bryant tribute game. You know, I planned this so far in advance. And so his first game was, you know, almost courtside. We're watching the Clippers and the Lakers play. Kobe Bryant tribute. Usher's out there. He's singing, he's singing the, the I, I don't think he sang the national anthem. I think Boyce Mended. Yeah, that's right. Boyce Mended. He sang something else special. And I looked at Sugar, kind of giving the vibe of like, this isn't every game, but this is a cool game to come to for <laughs> sure. And, uh, and from there, we just made the music, you know, it was, we always knew first time I hung out, he said, I have a song I want you on. And I had no idea that that was going to be even a part of the conversation. So I said, yeah, let's do it. Whatever song you want me on, I'll, I'll do, man. And then I sent him the whole album and basically said, whatever song you want to be on on this album, it's yours. You tell me and you got it. And he picked Blueberry Eyes? He did. Did he tell yeah. you why? I think he just connected with it. It's, it's interesting because uh, I pitched him New Life. I kept saying, oh, I think you should be on this New Life song. And he said, nah, I think that, that I like that. I really like that song. He used to he'd be like, New Life, New Life, every time we were sitting at the game. And 
I, I thought that, you know, he's like, I love the song, but I don't want to, you know, I just don't hear myself on it. So I said, all right, cool. You just, you tell me what you want to be on. I'll be patient. And yeah, they chose Blueberry Eyes. He and his, his uh, A&R, they just both loved it. And boom, the verse you hear is exactly what I got the first day, which, I mean, I didn't think I would send notes back and say, you know, Sugar, can you redo the verse? But I also didn't expect to get such a perfect and perfectly written verse. And for the music video, Emily and I learned all the Korean and we did it as our vows at our wedding while she's pregnant. So it's, it was really special to, to learn it. Wait, hold on. So does he, do you get the translations with it? Do you get it translated afterwards? It was a process. So Emily's friend uh, that she went to college with, she lives in Korea. And when I went to Korea, she came to the show and she's fluent in both English and Korean. So we sent her the verse and we said, can you spell it out? You know, give us just how it would phonetically sound. And so Emily and I spent two weeks every night as our homework. You know, we had to learn a line a night and it was hard. I mean, we, there were certain lines that were really hard. But it became our little thing, and now we look at each other and we're like, we just like give these little love languages of Korean. But uh, but yeah, it was a process because we got we got the the translation and then the phonetic, and then we wrote it out ourselves, and we got four slower versions of the song so we could listen to it really slow, kind of slow, almost to speed, and then to speed so we could we could do it, and it was fun. I'm glad we uh, we took that challenge. Was this a song written? For your wife? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she it was... Blueberry Eyes. She is Blueberry Eyes, exactly. Yeah, she's Blueberry Eyes. And I think this song was the song, and I look at it every day now, especially now that she's pregnant, and I think to myself, you know, you're with so many of the wrong people for so long, and in those moments, you wonder when you're going to feel the way you dreamed of as a kid. Mm -hmm. And with her, that's it. I dreamed of feeling this way, and... And that's what the song is about, is that I, you, you know, you watch Disney movies. I love that Mad at Disney song, by the way. I reached out to her and I was like, this song is so great. And I was mad at Disney. For, what'd you say? You're giving me goosebumps right now. And I think I'm going to cry because <laughs> like, it, I, th I thought it was about her. Well, it's beautiful. I mean, and what you're saying is, is you're telling me that you're in love. You're so deeply in of love. Course. You might be mad at Disney, but like, does your life not feel kind of like a Disney movie? No, but that's kind of what I'm saying. It's like you're mad at Disney for all of your life because you're, you're saying you've given me these ideals of what love is supposed to be. And, and then I met her and she was that Disney princess. Truly, I say it to her all the time. And it's so, it's so cheese. But, and of course, you know, we have, we still, it's all the real life things, but it never gets, it never gets old when I wake up and I look at her and I see her eyes. And that's, that's what the song is. It's just the, the simplest moment of just you are, the dream and I'll do anything to be with you forever. And this is what I was waiting for. I was waiting to wake up and hold you, my dreams coming to life and your blueberry eyes. And this is, it's, it's this fantasy, but it also is so, so real. And I love that. And now featuring August D. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And his verse, I don't know if you have the translation of it, it's no. his wedding vows. So that's, what's so cool. It's, it's the lines are translated to, to, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this. It's, it's, you know, you, I was blind before I met you, essentially, you know, you, I, I couldn't, there was no, I was nothing without you. I was nothing without you. You know, it, those are the lines. So when I read that translation, I said, these are vows. That's why we had to do it in the video as the vows, because he literally wrote these beautiful vows translated oh. from Korean. Who was he talking to? I need to I, know. I don't know. You know, he mentions army, of course, in, in the end of the, the verse, but I think that's what's so beautiful about him. You know, we've gotten close over the last 
you know, six, seven months. And, and uh, he's such a, he's such a real and, and transparent and honest guy. He doesn't put it on. And I appreciate that about him, but he also has a piece of him that he, he holds very sacred. And I think it comes out in his lyrics with every piece with Augustine and with this, and you wonder who he's writing about. And it's, it's the opposite of the coin. You always know with me that I'm probably writing about Emily or, or a past love, but with him, you're so, is there, is it the love? Is it just for, is it for the fans? What, why, where what? is this deep? I've so, I, there's, there's seven of the most incredible human beings to ever take part in music and create art, in my opinion. I think they've changed music forever. And even from the very beginning, their lyrics, I've spent many times, many, many hours reading translations. And dude, their lyrics are incredibly honest and open. And they, they really touched on normal human life because they are normal human beings. And uh, yeah, I, they're remarkable. And August D, huge fan. Huge yeah, fan. they're fearless. I love their fashion. I think that's why we bonded so much because I feel like you always, at least I've always felt like I just didn't fit into any specific culture musically or box or, or you know, I, I, I always felt like I was collaborating with people, but I never, they always had their cultures, their worlds of music. And I admired that and I didn't know, I, I wasn't really doing anything that I felt like was fitting into one of those boxes. And then truly BTS and their, their fashion, they're, 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 they're breaking the norms of gender and how it is represented in music. I, I finally really did feel like I found something I could relate to. I was so excited when I first became a fan because I was ecstatic that they were, they were focused and dancing and going all out and the lyrics were honest and the fashion was immaculate and they were proud of who they were. They're, they weren't trying to be anything that they weren't. And it's been so amazing to really dive deep into that world and now get to collaborate with, with Suga because I finally felt the sense of, wow, this is, this is what I've, this is the world I've been waiting for for so long to be, to be associated with and, and to be a part of these fans are so special because they really do care about every detail and, and so do we as artists. You mentioned gender norms, and it's something that you do push. I mean, you're wearing pearls very proudly. Um, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, and if I'm wrong, we'll edit it out. Did you reference God as a female in one of these songs at one point? I did. Yeah. Yes. And then in SOS, right? Mm-hmm. In SOS. Oh, that's why I love these interviews. You guys are the best. Yeah. I did. Yeah, I, I did. And I, I referenced it as, as a female, you know, because quite honestly – it just feels like that's that's the energy we're living in you know i don't think i don't think and it could be anything but there is just a feminine energy in caring so deeply about you know this motherly quality that can come from any gender you know what you're meant to be but but there is an energy of really deeply caring about the world that feels like the universe the lord whatever you want to call it and that's that's something i deeply believe in that that energy is there, whether that being is, is, you know, is non-binary or whatever else, there's definitely that energy that feels very potent, that, that is, that is so special that you feel warmth from, and that's a feminine energy. And I, you know, I love, I love that. And I, I, I felt like it was appropriate to reference that in that specific song, because that's what I was praying to when Emily was having the surgery for which is what that song's about. And it was this emergency surgery. I canceled the gig at radio. It was one of the first times where I felt like, you know, that radio station never played my songs again. 
and 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 they never saw me. I went back to see them one time and they wouldn't see me. Like, you know, me, I'm always trying to just give love to different places. And that was a moment where I, you know, I chose her over everything else. And she always told me that I was always putting my work first. I chose her over everything else. And I was praying to that. I never really prayed before. And when you have something to believe in and pray for, you start believing in something more. And that that felt like I was praying to that feminine universe. By the way, that's not a radio station that you want playing your music, really. Yeah, totally. Oh God. Do you have a favorite record, Daniel? What, 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 what song are you attached to? Well, I just loved, I was listening to it, and I heard Color Vision, the actual song. And I, as I heard it, I was like, I just picture him in a nice field with a choir. And I even said to myself, it sounds like the clouds are parting. And then halfway through the song, you kind of mentioned clouds are parting. I said, wow, we are so connected. So Let's connected. go. We're always connected, baby. <laughs> you and me. So I would say always. that one. I just love how it starts. I love it. Oh, I love that you love that one. Yeah, it's, that one was the last song I wrote for the record. I had the record, the title, and I went in with my guys, Ahmad and Nolan, who I wrote Love Me Less With, and I said, I have to write the title song, and I want it to open up the world to what people are about to hear. So it was really cool to sort of do it in reverse order. Yeah, and the production definitely gives off the feeling that you're opening up something, like the sun is finally shining through. Yes, Dan. Yes, Dan. Let's go, baby. You nailed it. You nailed it. Thanks, man. Have you done Acid? I haven't, no. It's funny because that song started from Belly and Ryan, funny enough. They they started the song and then they sent it to me. And I wrote my verse very high on uh, legal marijuana edibles, but uh, I wasn't on Acid. But I feel like that euphoric state is 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 definitely in whatever way I'm sure I I can't even imagine what actual acid is like. But uh, but there's definitely a, a state of being where you feel higher outside of yourself than than you are, and I felt like we both tried to capture that. Me and me and Felly together on that record. Great song. Thank also, you. I genuinely believe that party pupils are totally underrated. They don't. Thanks, you, man. You really, seriously, don't even get me started. <laughs> Thanks, um, man. But a uh, question for there's a god who mm-hmm. what. How do you like, how do you know to get really high and enter this register vocally? Because it is a different song that you've done vocally. I mean, you've had moments where you've gone. I mean, this full song is in a different register. Totally. I think it's because it's the end. I think it's because I knew it had to be the finale song when I wrote it too. I wanted to go out on that. I feel like always so inspired by the John Bellion records and those records of the world where you feel like there's that that outro ending finale song has to stand out from the rest as the moment that you, and I think it came sort of naturally to do it in a, in a, in a higher space, just because I wanted it to really feel like the climax, right. As you finish. I mean, does something happen in your life that proves to you that there's a God? Yeah. Right before Emily told me she wanted to have kids and she was ready to have a baby. And we started, it was the same feeling I had when she first said, let's get married. And my heart was beating. It was Christmas heart was being, I was like, oh man, this is real life. I'm becoming an adult. You want to get married? This is insane. And then same thing sort of happened about a year and a half ago where she said, I want to have a baby. I'm ready. Let's do this. And I said, yeah, I do too. Do I? That's, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a dad then. Am I ready to be a dad? This is, this is so wild. I'm never not going to be a dad if I'm a dad now. And at first I kept thinking, well, you know, oh my gosh, will I be able to tour the same? It's everything we talked at the beginning of this interview. And then I just realized, and it was right before she actually got pregnant, I had this, this just epiphany of saying, yes, 
you're it. I, there's nothing more important than you and creating family together and, and giving every bit of love I have to that person and realizing that that's when you realize that you have something to lose and that, that restores your faith in whatever way, if you've ever had it or, or, or you don't, you know, you've never had it. If you've, if you've been faithful or you've never been had faith, it restores that and makes you feel it in such a potent way. And that's where, that's where the initial spark came from. That's, uh, by the way, like the concept of being a dad is huge. Are you ready for it to change the way you make art, see the world? I mean, yeah, it's, I think so. It's weird. I think so because quite honestly, you know, I was at, um, I, I was, I was talking with a friend of mine I've become very close with in the TikTok world. He's awesome. Whoa. His name is Michael Lee. He's killing. I met him months before he had like 7 million followers now he has like 40 million whatever but he, i just connected with him i thought he was such a i had a michael what do you say daniel. daniel's on google i can see his eyes mako yeah just just mako he goes by. but anyway we met a while ago right before the all the the world got crazy and i played him the album and uh and he was such a cool dude and i i really bonded with him and you know i've got like eight years on him and i realized once i started getting the tiktok space that you know people were recognizing rags again like that age Dang. demographic was suddenly this age on TikTok and anything rags related was going off. And, Get it. and I felt like I'm ready for this next chapter. I felt like I looked back on that version of myself and realized that's, that's just one chapter behind. And I'm cool with that. And I love that. But realizing as I really dove into that space and started, you know, you know, meeting those people and putting out music through it, I said to myself, yeah, that's, I'm proud of that version of me, but I'm ready for the next version where I get to invest all my love into a little person and encourage them to do what they want to do. And I think in the same way, when I got married, you just, a light switch hits and you know, you're ready. By the way, goosebumps for a ton of reasons. One, I couldn't be happier for you. And two, I first met you when you were in your rags phase of life, my friend, and had a crazy. Uh, nothing makes me feel older than the speech and the spiel you just gave here today. <laughs> oh my gosh, my palms are starting to sweat. I know, but that's life, right? We just, we just got to keep moving, moving forward with it, not get yeah. discouraged that those parts of us were there. We were, however many years ago, you know, we were riding scooters in Washington around Nickelodeon. That was our first hangs. And I feel like it feels like another life and yet we're still so young, but that's how it's going to keep feeling and just got to be present. That's all it is. You just got to be present and enjoy wherever you are now. Your baby is very lucky to be on its way to existence because not only is she about to have a great dad, she's two gorgeous parents, both inside and out. So I can't even like the person you're going to create is going to be uh, quite a force. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. Thanks, baby. I can't wait for her to meet Uncle Zach and Dan, baby. Let's go. Oh, she's going to love you guys. Yeah, Dan, Dan loves kids. Um, what like are you kids? What are you thinking? Nothing. What makes me feel old is when people start talking about these TikTok stars. I'm like, who are these people? And then I look them up, and they have like 40 million followers. Yeah. I just like the old guy. I'm like, who are like? What, what am I missing out on these days? Are you a TikTok star, Max? I'm sorry that I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not a TikTok star. No, but I, but I think with every new phase of where just social media grows to you find the people that are doing brilliant things with it and you, 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 you connect with them. You say, I'm not going to try to, I'm going to learn from this person because they've, and I felt that, that, like that with Michael because I saw him come in and I, I said to myself, this dude's doing it differently. And I really love that he has a good head on his shoulders and 
And I love, and he, he can see the big picture. And I feel like whenever I meet people like that, it's so nice to, to learn from them. And hopefully they learn a little from your little bit more of experience. And it's great to have that mutual relationship. But TikTok itself is, it's amazing. That's where people are hearing music in a different way now. And that's going to keep happening. There'll be a new TikTok in a few years, but it's the, 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 the theme is still the same. Music is getting discovered in cool and new ways as we grow. By the way, you see a lot of things come and go, a lot of phases, et cetera. Um, people who think that way, that see the big picture, tend to, to hang around, truly. Totally, totally. And yeah, it's like with Vine. I mean, it's, we all talk about the Vine thing, but, it, but you really do see some of those people just figured out they were so creative, you knew they'd always be creative. And that's, that's what stays, stays strong. Question, as we release Color Vision, which deserves everybody's ear, and this is, this is the first album, right? Pretty much, you know, it's it's the second technically, but I feel like it's the first time I really put together what I consider a body of work that in 10 years I look back on and say from start to finish, it felt like a theme and a project. It's an incredible, incredible collection of songs and it deserves your ear if you haven't listened, but you should listen. Every single song is so different, but really great. And you got Baby No Money, you have great features. You, you really have a cool collection of collaborations. Quinn 92, it's really nice. I, I really like it. Thanks, man. You, you, Were you ever confused about like, who is Max and what is your style after the success of Lights Down Low? Like, like, what do you take from that into the album? What do people want from you? What do you want from yourself? Totally. Yeah, I've, of course. You know, you, you listen to so many people, you have a moment of success that people are paying attention to and you think do I just have to keep replicating that what is that and I guess I realized I've always been all over the place sonically but the through line just has to be that it comes from such a such a raw place of the story and so I think I talked to one of my mentors about that why why did Light Stand Low and Love Me Less both work and they sound so different and it really just came down to this this very you know very real moment of being vulnerable and that's always the songs i feel like that we all get the most into regardless of the artist when you really feel that vulnerability and, and you relate to it because you can tell that they're laying their heart on the line and that's all i can do with every record and that's how i approach an album it just has to be every song has to feel like that where the heart is on my sleeve and i am making sure that people feel that i didn't leave anything to mystery or to chance it's all right there and hopefully they connect with that but at the same time, that is the hardest mold to fill, the hardest formula to get right, because you can give your all to something and drain your life and your personality and your story into record after record after record. And maybe the production isn't just right on it and it doesn't hit just right. But when that doesn't hit just right, it hurts a little bit more because it's like, how do I live this again? You know, like, how do I... It, 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 it stings it, it, when you're not when, when you don't look at songs as very expendable things and, and true but expendable meaning you can release them not meaning you can sit on them and rework mm -hmm. them you know um, but you know one of my favorite things right now and it's so cool you're saying that because sometimes I do I put out where am I at and I and there, I had such high expectations for it but you know the immediate release didn't really fill those expectations but then it started to really I've noticed that people are gravitating towards it more and more as they hear the album and I feel like I saw that with Ash with Moral of the Story I've been really lucky to be a part of her journey for a while now and be a champion and a fan and, and do music with her but you know that was a song with Moral of the Story when she first released that I felt like oh my 
God, this is so, this is so raw and potent. And at first I feel like it, it didn't get heard in the way it, it is, has been heard now, but it just goes to show that sometimes some little spark will, will really give that song that was meant to be heard a chance. And you just have to be ready for it. Lights Down Low took two years. You never know what song's going to take two years or may come back in five or 10. You just have to be open to putting it out and seeing how the world takes it. Do you feel a need to fight for the songs once they're out or just let them go once they're in existence? Oh, totally. It, well, more than the need to fight the executive system. Totally. I mean, I definitely, that fight comes in every place that you just got to be in the ring, ready to be Muhammad Ali every moment as an artist. It's, it's from putting Color Vision as the intro and having a lot of people I work with say, you don't, oh, it should just be a single, like do the biggest single first. What are you doing? And I said, no, it has to be an intro. What are we talking? It's an album. I don't care if the algorithm on Spotify doesn't give it as much love. It has to feel like if you're a fan, you're coming to the world, not just love me less because that has the most streams, you know? And, and I feel like that's every step of the way, the videos, the concepts, the song being out and fighting for it to, to get heard in the way you'd hoped. You just, you just got to be ready to fight if you want to be an artist. And that's the, that's the game you're playing. Color Vision needs your ear. There's going to be a link in the description below. <laughs> Max, I love you so much. Dude, I really do. I love you guys. I, I appreciate you listening to it. And again, it, it feels, it's so, it's so, these are the moments I really cherish when you do release an album to get to talk to people you respect and, and care about and love so much. And to know they really listened to and gave it a chance to is, is amazing. Hearing your kind words means the world. So thank and, you guys. And I want you to know that I really could go on for much longer. I mean, really, Circles is a great record that deserves everybody's ear. It, it just... They're all good. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to listen to the body of work top to bottom. and that's the Zach, right what was your favorite, though? I didn't even ask you. I mean, that's really a hard question. I really like working for the weekend in terms of cool. – and I really like circles as well. But there's a God. There's something different with your voice yeah. there that really hits right, dude. It's very, very unique. Very unique. You, like like game Michael Jackson vibes, you know? It was really wow. like – you really got up there. It was nice. Very nice. Thank you, baby. Well, thank you guys for, for listening. I'm so glad that you enjoyed those. Those are my two two of my favorites, Color Vision and There's a God. So I'm glad you're on the either end of the spectrum. The, 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 I hope to see you in person very soon. Uh, I'm closer to Hell's Kitchen than you are, so I'll give it your love. Crazy. And, uh, I love you, and I love Emily. Next time you see me, I'm going to have a baby to introduce you to. Dude, so. And the little nug on the side. Give it a fist pound for me through the flesh. I'll ask. I'll be like, Zach says a lot of dance hours alone. She'll give me a little kick. She knows what's up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Put those AirPods up to her little ears. I love you. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.